A Friday edition of the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. What's going on, everybody? Mike Gill, Hunter Brody, Josh Hennings producing today's show. You out there on a Friday. Yes, indeed. We've got uh, a whole lot of interesting stuff to get into. The Sixers have made an interesting signing uh, for this playoff stretch run. We'll dive into that. We've got uh, news on the NHL. Uh, and, you know, the NHL, interestingly enough here, Broads, they might be the one league that I do have confidence that gets back up and starts their season. Because they have the ability to play their games in Canada, where things seem to be okay. All these other areas, I mean, I keep following Keith Smith on Twitter, and holy moly, this Florida situation, I mean, over nine, about 9,000 cases Record numbers down there, and his tweets are really kind of painting an interesting question. A bunch of questions coming from his tweets uh, today. Did you see Tobias Harris on first take? I did. Tobias Harris didn't sound or look like a guy who was all that uh, confident about the situation that these players are about to go uh, put themselves into. Now, is it fair to say, I think at this point, the most concerning part, as you mentioned the numbers in Florida, you would think the most concerning part for these players has to be the people working in Disney World leaving and coming back. Because if they're in their own bubble, that's the biggest thing. Like That, should that I would think, is the biggest concern that these people are leaving the bubble, they're going out into the world in Florida where these numbers are super high, and then returning. That should be the scary part, I would think. Would you agree? I think that's one thing that you and I have been bringing up for a couple of weeks here. And, you know, we had Keith on Wednesday's show, as we do each and every week, and he has kind of been one of the main guys when it comes to this whole Florida bubble down there. You know, that's where he lives. And this is Keith Smith, I think, on Wednesday's show, the concern about the Disney employees, I think, is a bigger story than anybody has been bringing up. The Walt Disney World cast members, uh, Disney lingo for employee, they're not going to be in the bubble. They're going to come and go. And and while the cast will be, uh, they're not going to be tested, but they're going to have symptom checks done. They're going to have temperature checks and, and, you know, symptom checks while they're there. They're going to be wearing masks and gloves and socially distancing and all the like. And they're not going to be around the players while, while they're on property. Now, that's interesting. They're not going to be around the players when they're on property. However, it's those after-game situations, as he continued on. But the challenge is that they're going to be coming and going. And, and for all that the cast, you know, they, they may be you know, to work, home, and that's it. Maybe a trip to the grocery store or the gas station in between. You, you don't know where the other people that they come in contact with have been and what they've been doing. And that continues to be the worry. That's been the worry that we've been bringing up, Rhodes, is where are these people? What are they doing? What is going on with them? And that is really, I think, on this Friday, as we are now a week, less than a week from baseball returning. I was just talking to somebody, and they said, you know, what do you think about baseball coming back? And I said, well, I'm hopeful. I hope they're able to get it done. But you talk to some people around baseball, and they're still kind of wondering, are they really going to be able to play baseball games in about a month? And, you know, this whole thing today, they tested 302 NBA players. Of those 302, only 16 tested positive. So that's... I guess a good number, and you don't want that number to keep going up. But even like the golfers, they have all said, look, we didn't really take the social distancing very serious. Now we're going to have to start even implementing that more on the golf tour. Like that's something that came out. You hear Tobias Harris. We heard what Malcolm Jenkins said uh, this morning 
on Golik and Wingo. I mean, he essentially was like, look, football is a non-essential business. Like, And unless it's eliminated, I don't think I'm going to feel safe going out there. I think those questions are going to be the biggest hurdles now for these sports to get off the ground. Do you think it's fair for us to say that you know they should be on the football field? Like, Is it fair for us as society to say, hey, you guys need to get out on the field? Or do you think that... You know, they, they should have, I'm not going to say they should have the ability to say no, because obviously they do, and we all agree with that, but, you know, is it fair for us to want sports back this much to put them in harm's way, if that makes sense? I think that is essentially what um, Tobias Harris was saying. Have you heard or read any of his uh, quotes from today? I think the one that stands out the most was him basically saying, um, if we're going to be safe, let's play. Do I think it's necessarily the safest thing? No. And that kind of, you know, the texture and the context of that is exactly what you're saying. Are we doing this because people are bored or people just want sports back and that they're trying to rush the guys back? A little bit of that, but I think this is all about one thing. It's money. That's the answer to this whole thing. Are these guys going back and playing? Any of them. Now, you might say, yeah, people need to live their lives. They need to go back to work. And I'm not disputing that. None of us are debating that. I think all of us would recommend or not recommend, would all hope that we all just say, hey, everything's back to normal. Just go back and live life. Don't worry about anything that happens. The answer to the reason that Tobias Harris is saying that is I think he's come to terms with, is it safe? I'll play. If not, is it the safest thing to do? No. But we're all doing this for one thing, for one thing only. Money. That's it. The answer to every question that comes to is money. That's the only reason why things are open right now. Because guess what? If money wasn't an object here, and obviously it is, if money didn't matter, somebody just hit the pause button on money and said, look, there's no currency switching hands for the next three months here. All right? There'll be no currency going anywhere. That'd be nice. Right? That'd be nice then everybody would probably say, okay, let's hit the pause button. No currency changes here. Three, four months, we'll all stay in quarantine and get past this thing. Obviously, that can't happen. But the question is, what extremes do you go to to bypass money? Well, this is kind of goes right hand in hand with what I wanted to bring up with Malcolm Jenkins saying, look, football is non-essential. And I agree with him that football, the sport of football, is non-essential. But do you think that the NFL as an organization is so big and it creates so much, not not just revenue for the league, but it creates so many jobs for society and people? Do you think the league, not the game, I know it goes with each other, but the league itself, would you say that it's an essential business? Bro, somebody asked me the other night, what do you think, they asked me, what do I think monetarily the impact is of sports being shut down? And it's not just the sport itself. It's everything. I mean, I can't even come up with the word in terms of what's more than a trillion. What do you go past a trillion? Maybe Josh can do some research for us. Seriously. What I don't is, have a word either. Like, if I was to answer that question, what is the impact of sports being shut down monetarily? Forget just the league, okay? The NFL itself. The teams in the NFL. How much they're all worth what the economic impact is for every city, for every team in every league. And then that gets mapped out to the television rights, the local radio stations like us, 
the local television, the regional sports networks, the people that are working at those games, all the way down the line in every single sports league, in every single city. What what would that add up to? I, I, whatever's more than a trillion, I would think you got to go there, right? Absolutely. So you that pretty much is you saying, yeah, you think that these sports leagues are essential. Maybe not the game itself. Like the game of football we get is not essential. Well, but that's these the thing. What is essential? Essential is something business. that you need for your health. That if you don't have this, you might die in terms of if you don't eat food, you are going to die. That's why supermarkets were essential during the shutdown. If you don't have food, you will die. But that's why getting your hair cut was not deemed to be essential. You don't have to have your hair cut. Is saying that this business, why it's not essential, I don't have to have football. I don't have to have baseball. I don't have to have hockey or basketball. But it is so important to the economic infrastructure of the country that makes it essential. I don't know the answer to that question, but here's what Malcolm Jenkins said. The NBA is a lot different than, than the NFL because they can actually quarantine all of their players um, or whoever is going to participate, where we have over 2,000 players, even more coaches and staff. We can't do that. And so we'll end up being kind of on this uh, trust system where uh, the honor system where we just have to hope that guys are social distancing and things like that. And that puts all of us at risk, not only, you know, us as players and who's in the building, but when you go home to your families, uh, I, you know, I have parents that I don't want to get sick. And I think until we get to the point where we have protocols in place and until we get to a place as a country where we feel safe doing it, we have to understand that football is a non-essential business. Uh, and so we don't need to do it. And so the risk, uh, you know, has to uh, be the, really eliminated before we before I would feel comfortable with going back. That was uh, Malcolm Jenkins. He said that on Golic and Wingo, um, and that was this morning. We heard it yesterday. He said it yesterday on CNN. He said it today on Golic and Wingo, almost verbatim, word for word. The risk needs to be eliminated. Football is not essential. But I, we just mapped it out. Monetarily, is it essential? I would lean towards yes, it is. The league itself, the National Football League, MLB, these they're such they're such big businesses and they are so important to this community and society actually generating revenue and keeping things going that I do think the league and the sports leagues as a whole are so big that they they are essential. They are essential. Here's what Trey Wingo said this morning on Golic and Wingo here on ninety seven three. On the base level, he's 100% right. Yes, yes, he is. I mean, the country can move forward without football. And the difference of the NBA and the NFL. Massive. Right. It's just a, it's a much more moving, it's a much bigger target to try and move. A couple of things. It's not going to be eliminated. Well, it's it, never going to be, the, the risk is never going to be eliminated. All right, so he said something there. The risk is not going to be eliminated. It's never going to be eliminated. I don't know if never, but at some point I would say, I don't know, two, three, four years down the road, I think we'll have some sort of normalcy back in our lives where we're at games, you're not even thinking about this, and you might be like, man, you remember that? But he mentioned that the football and the basketball. Malcolm Jenkins said the same thing. I feel the same way, but I almost feel, like I said at the start of the show, that kind of wrapped us into this conversation. You know, hockey might be the one. I literally was having a text conversation with somebody about this. They said, what about basketball and football uh, or baseball and football? And my answer was the only one that I feel a little bit comfortable about is hockey. You know, I said, baseball, NBA, and NFL are all, in my opinion, in some trouble. The NHL's only positive is that they can play in Canada 
where they have this somewhat under control. They certainly have it under control much more than we do. And that's why I think the NHL might have a shot because they can play in Canada, and Canada has done a good job of kind of minimizing this virus. Now, do you think it's funny how the NBA is calling it a bubble and then the NHL is calling it a hub, a hub city? Now, don't you think it just feels different when they say those two terms? The bubble, it's almost like you're stuck there. You're not allowed to leave. The hub city, it's, oh, you know, you get to go to the hub city. You, you get to stay in one area, and then that's the city we're choosing. It almost feels as if it's two different scenarios, even though it's, it's the so same It's so football, thing. and it's, I mean, it's so hockey, and it's so NBA, like how different they would be with almost the same scenarios. Now, the difference is the hub cities that they're having, there's two of them, right? There's going to yes. be two. Now, a bunch of cities have kind of been dropping out or have been eliminated. Vancouver was one of them. So that beautiful city uh, Josh and I really loved, no longer for the players. Nope, but uh, the list of teams that are still on the list, I guess, um, are down to five. Vegas, which I don't know that Vegas is a great option. Not anymore. Originally, I thought that was going to be the one because when they all started having this conversation, they didn't have the big spikes again and opened up the casinos and all that. Now, you're questioning me. Well, it's interesting. They opened up the casinos, and two weeks into that, they've already now mandated that you have to wear a mask in the casino. The, the, re, the fact that... They didn't have that originally. That's what I'm getting at here. How in the world was it, okay, let's go from being closed to opening up again, but not even allowing, forcing people to wear masks. That almost blows my mind. You would think it goes from, you know, you kind of take your baby steps. You go from closed, you open back up, but you're wearing masks and only limited amount of people. But no, you just go from zero to 100 and then shut down again? I'll tell you what. There's a lot of people that I know that uh, feel one way and other people that feel another way. And you kind of like feel them out and you're kind of having conversations. I have talked to many people who started on one side and are slowly starting to kind of matriculate to, eh. Maybe I wasn't, uh, and it's. I give them a lot of credit for being big enough to say, maybe I've misread this whole situation. You know what I'm saying? Like I kind of give, and and that's why I look at the sports world and I wonder, are they doing what Vegas did? Let's just open the casinos back up and play ball. Yeah, we have our quirky little things. You can't do spit sunflower seeds and can't do this. We're gonna throw the baseball out every single time. But when push comes to shove. You're still having people go back, going back, living their lives, and you just don't know what they're doing when they're not under your supervision. And it's exactly what Malcolm Jenkins said, this trust bubble um, that you have to believe that the guy next to you is living his life perfectly. And on a 53-man roster, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here, and I'm going to tell you that all 53 men don't have the same beliefs. And all 53 men don't believe that this virus is as serious as some people do. Some are going to think it's very serious. Some on that team are not going to take it very serious. Yet they're all on the same team, and you need them all to have the same mindset. It's not happening. It's just not happening. It's not happening at all. And, and when you say, forget 53-man roster, by the way, Broads, a basketball roster with 12 guys on it. You're not getting 12 guys to all think the same exact way. Ten guys on that team might think that this is the most serious thing they've ever seen in their lives. If the other two don't buy into it, those two can bring the rest of the team down, and that's that's where the issue comes in. And with basketball, the, 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 the whole bubble city, dude, you could have all 12 guys on your team all buying in. 
But what if one guy on the other team does it? Well, in terms of jumping back into things, you, you kind of asked the question, are we doing right now with sports the same thing that happened with Vegas and the casinos? And I think to some extent with the NFL and the MLB, yeah, you, you kind of are because, as you just said, you have to use this trust system. With the NBA and the NHL, I think they are strategically trying to map this out where it is sort of a baby step. I mentioned how Vegas somehow skipped the baby step and went from closed to just opening back up without masks. What the NBA is at least trying to do and the NHL is trying to do, that's that inching back into it mode where, hey, we're going to have the hub cities. We're going to have this. You can't leave this spot. You can't go here. So I think that is a little bit different in terms of what those two leagues are doing. But what if baseball starts the season, Mm -hmm. they have to stop the season, and the NFL didn't start yet. Does the NFL now look at that and go, oh, oh, no? Or do you think they're going to try and be these superheroes and continue to throw their their teams out there? Because I would say the MLB and the NFL have similar game plans right now with the trust system, using your own buildings, and you're not in a bubble spot. So if baseball starts and stops before the NFL kicks off, what do you do? It's a great question. And it kind of goes back to the night that the NBA said, that's it. Because once the NBA said, that's it, that's when the other leagues followed. And you wonder if the NFL is going to allow the decision of the other leagues to force them to do anything, or are they going to be kind of the godfather in all this? You know, what we do, what we say goes. We're not going to let the NBA canceling, but I would have to imagine if the NBA got off the ground and never made it to their NBA Finals, if baseball got off the ground and never made it to their World Series, we're talking about the World Series that's supposed to start in October, that would tell me that the NFL has probably said, I don't think we can get on the I don't think we can start on time. I would have to agree. If if the other leagues are gonna be out and they're gonna start, stop, and then they're out. There's no way you could possibly think the NFL would be some hero and throw out a product. It would just, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't think I'd be shocked, but it would be a horrendous decision. I would feel as if Roger Goodell and these guys would try and get their product on the field still, even though it would be obvious at that point, to maybe slow it down a bit. But would you be shocked if the NFL tried it? Because it is the NFL. They think they're bigger than life. That's the thing, and that the NFL, I'm like trying to take this all in because it's such a complex, the NFL has been the one that said, we're going to do our draft, this be damned. But I don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with that mindset back then before the draft because it was so far away to now. And you could do the draft remotely, so yeah, it is but there different was, than games. I agree. Like I didn't have a big problem with them doing the draft, but back then, keep in mind, things had just kind of shut down, and they were their big thing was, or there was a lot of people's thing was, look, people are not allowed out of their house, and you're essentially asking people, producers, behind-the-scene people running the television thing, all to be in a room together just to put your thing on television. And there was a lot of people saying, like, that's not really fair to the ESPN workers or the NFL Network workers or, or yada, yada, yada. But I didn't feel like I felt that, look, you're right. It is in a remote location. Everybody is kind of doing their thing and boom. But here we are all this time later and it doesn't seem to be getting better. It seems to be getting worse. 
in certain areas it does. Now, the numbers here, by the way, for the NBA players testing positive, it was 16 out of 302. Is that what it was? Yes. That About 5%. That's, I would say that's not bad at all, you know? No, I mean, I, I, and Brian Windhorst this morning, he was on uh, SportsCenter, and he actually kind of was asked about that. And I think the way that I read it was this was kind of a sigh of relief. You know, the 5% number is a bit of a relief to the league. Um, it's in the same zone as the NFL had announced last week. Um, I hate to use the word acceptable, but this is where they're at. They're accepting this number. But I have to say there's another side to this. The NBA only announced uh, 302 players. There's expected to be more than 340, may even maybe more than 350 players going to Orlando so there's some missing men in here and tests that were done overseas or outside of the team's facilities. So there's positive tests in here that are not accounted for. I mean, so he said the 5% number, they, they find that to be acceptable. So that's positive, I guess. No, I, it, it is positive. I know that's almost like horrible to say, like, oh, only those 16 but here's people. The problem. But, it, but it is some sort of a positive. Here's the problem. You're right. 5%, it's a positive thing. We should be like, okay, 5%, that's not a lot. What if six of those guys were all on the same team? Well, that's what I literally was just going to bring up. If it was LeBron James, James Harden, the Greek Freak, Anthony Davis, Ben Simmons with these positive tests, it feels different than if it's Trey Burke, Norvell Pell, and TJ McConnell, yes. right? I mean, it's completely different, and you can't really choose who this goes to. Not that you want anyone to have it, but... Yeah, it it would depend really on how that impacts the games, the the playoffs, the NBA finals, the championship. It it you know, it does depend on who it is and that's how it relates to how bad it is or not. And here's what Zach Lowe, ESPN NBA and insider said about what answer do they have for possible positive tests during the season. They released 113 pages of guidance a couple of weeks ago. And that question was not answered. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that question was not answered. All they said was a small number of positive tests will not cause the suspension of the season. I don't think they want to answer that question on paper now. I don't think they want to commit to an answer. The other possibility is they simply don't have an answer to it that's a good answer that anyone wants to hear. Because right now, Game 7 of the Finals is October 13th. Next season, loosely starting December 5th, December 10th, early December. That's not a lot of time. There's no time in there for a two-week break to stop a series and wait for people to get better. So there might really only be two answers to that. Number one, you continue playing through it all, or you stop the whole enterprise, and nobody wants to hear those answers. There you go. They don't have an answer for what happens if that uh, another COVID outbreak happens and they're in the middle of the season. They're very tight on time to begin with. We just all, all of us, have to hope that everybody – it's kind of following the procedures of the best information that we can get. And that's another problem. Nobody knows what's the best information because there's so many contradictory things happening, which is frustrating. Oh, it's definitely frustrating. Sports Bash brought to you by the New Jersey Department of Agriculture. Summer in the Garden State means fresh blueberries. They are bigger, more flavorful, and they're available now at your favorite market. Thank New Jersey farmers and buy Jersey fresh blueberries. When we come back... Is football, are sports essential? Hear what Dan Orlovsky had to say about it. We'll hear that. Plus, Tobias Harris this morning on First Take. You'll hear his powerful comments as well. 
Stick around, Sports Bash Happy Hour Friday. Kevin Durso, he's getting married, by the way, tomorrow. But before he does, before he ties the knot, he'll be talking to us here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. We'll talk a little flyers with him. We'll get his five NHL coaches. Sports Bash, send a text message, 609-403-0973. That's 609-403-0973. Bottom of the hour, Sports Bash, Mike Gill, Hunter Brody, Broads81 on Twitter, at Mike Gill Show. Give us a follow, hang out with the show. Now, you know, Malcolm Jenkins has kind of said sports are not essential. And I think a lot of people would just kind of say, yeah, of course they're not essential. But when you think about the amount of economic impact it has for everybody, are they really essential? And I would say they're only essential for... <laughs> this is a, a very interesting you know, scenario. It's it, They're very essential for uh, these pro professional sports areas. So you're saying... There's only certain places that have professional sports teams. We act like the whole world has it, but there's only a handful of cities over the course of the whole country that actually have these sports teams. They just happen to be the most populated areas in all the country. Well, if you don't have a sports city or a sports team in your city... That or person, your state. Right. That person or state still has sports fans that are tied to other states. Right. Would you think that that specific state, for example, I don't know, I'm just like spitballing, like Montana, right? Whoever they typically root for, is that because that sport is going on in that league, is it still impactful to the state of Montana? Well, what it's impactful to is the the bars and restaurants. I'm going to go out and watch the game. That's where they take a little bit of a hit. Is that essential? Yes and no. This is why this is so tough. I mean, to because some extent, the economy in specific in all areas, in specific spots that we're talking about, yeah, it's it's important. Here's what Dan Orlovsky said today as to why he thinks sports are essential. See if we agree. A great majority of the NFL guys live paycheck to paycheck. They are not just taking care of their family. They're taking care of their families, plural, family members. And so it, it, it's essential because... Those guys that are at the third year of their career, this might be the last year that they can make that $500,000 or $600,000. They need this season. And that's why those guys are going to sit there and go, wait, this is the only opportunity I have to make that money. Tell me where and when. Tell me what I have to do. I'll quarantine myself for 150 days or 180 days away from my family because that's the only way I'll make my money. My wife is going to agree with that as well. And so, you know, if, if you're a guy who's in your fourth year, and it's a contract year for you, and you have to go perform to receive that 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 second contract. You're going to be like one and where. Good enough reason for you, because I know there's probably a lot of people out there that would say, you know, that's not good enough for me. I actually don't really like the way that he approached it. I'll He's, be honest with you. Yeah, he he is essentially saying that it's essential to many of the players in the NFL because they support multiple people, not just their family, but families, and that you know. Tell me where and when to go. That doesn't that doesn't make it essential. No, that's almost as if the NFL is handcuffing these guys, saying like, "Hey, I mean, this is your only chance. You have to go play." That's almost as if the 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 people are being forced to play, and it has nothing really to relate to the essential part of it. Yeah, like there's a lot of people out there that might be listening and 
haven't been able to get to work and they say, well, I cut hair. I have to make sure that I pay my bills. Why am I not essential? But the football guy saying that's the reason why it's essential for him. That that thing doesn't fly, I don't think. Yeah, bills having to be paid doesn't force the job itself to be essential because just like you stated, there's plenty of jobs out there that people are not doing right now and they need to pay their bills. So that doesn't automatically make that job essential. I don't really like it. And he also talked about just the low contract guys, which I do know makes up a lot of the league, but there's more players than just the low well, contract And guys. there's another thing that he said that I know people listening probably don't want to hear is that he said these guys live paycheck to paycheck. But he was in the league, though, so I do feel like... I'm not saying that he's wrong, but... Okay, let's say I had... Let's say I, I don't know anything about sports. I just know they make a lot of money or a lot more than, I, than you and I do, or at pe- most people listening. I would imagine... The percentage of our listeners right now that make $500,000 a year is probably pretty low, if any. I mean, it's it's hard-pressed to find anybody in the area making $500,000. I mean, I'm sure that there are people that do. I'm not suggesting that there's nobody listening that makes $500,000. My thought is that it's a, probably a pretty low percentage. And he just said the guy making $500,000 is living paycheck to paycheck. So you talk to somebody making $38,000 and then explain to them that the guy making 500000 is living paycheck to paycheck, you have a hard time with that. Absolutely you do. And, and I think if you're living paycheck to paycheck making that much money, there needs to be a discussion on what exactly you're doing with Correct. that money. Now that's what I was going to bring up, and you went right down there, is – well, if you're making 500000 and you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're not being very smart with your money because I don't make 500000 or anywhere close to it, and I have figured out a way to manage my money in a much better situation that I don't make 500000 and I'm able to kind of manage my money. You making 500000 and you're telling me that your business is essential because you're living paycheck to paycheck, to me, that is not, that doesn't fly. I would have to agree with you. Now, what if you are someone making, let's say, $32 million a year? You're a quarterback in the NFL. Now, I would say that your lifestyle has completely changed, and it's no longer the $500,000 lifestyle. You're 32. Now, if you now have a you know, all these car bills and all these house bills, not just one. I'm sure you have a bunch all over the place. Does your opinion change because now you actually might not be able to afford this lifestyle because you're used to bringing in $32 million and now you're bringing in, say, none? I feel like that's such an extreme difference. It is. like, And it's not fair to say, well, you shouldn't have bought this $10 million house with the thought that you might not, although it's, you could say, look, you should have known you were not going to make $32 million the rest of your life. You know, why would you buy something so extravagant knowing that two or three years down the road, that amount of money is not going to continue to come in. Uh, But that's not fair to say. I mean, now see, but I don't think somebody making 32 million is living paycheck to paycheck. I would really hope not. I don't even know if that's possible. I'm sure it is, but wow, would you really need some bills? We've all seen the, I don't want to say we've all seen, but the 30 for 30 broke on a lot of these athletes who did make 32 million and now have, or more than 32 million and now have nothing. And you're like, how? 
is that possible? I have a couple of friends that played in the NFL, made millions, and they got nothing. How, Gil? You know, I don't know. And it's not the kind of question that you just broach with your buddy. Like, how did you lose all this money? But, you know, they they make bad investments. People take advantage of them. Over the years, like Orlovsky said, you know, mom and dad, you buy them everything. You buy them the nicest thing. Grandpa and grandpa, you know, ma, you're getting them the nicest thing. And then other people, I mean, you just start spending money because you have it. You're not really keeping track of it. You're young. You're not really thinking about long-term money. You know, all of that stuff. Like, look, I get it. When I was in my 20s and my 30s, you know, I wasn't particularly doing a great job with my 401k. You know, it wasn't really until I turned into my late 30s when I was like, you know what? I probably need to kick this thing up a notch. You know what I'm saying? So I can understand being young and being somewhat irresponsible. Like, I know multiple guys in the league that made millions, and I'm thinking, you know, how are you calling me for stuff? Like, you know, hey, can you get me uh, something? It's like, dude, really? You need me to get you like a $30 so-and-so? It's like, come on. Did you do it? Yeah, but it's like that's my, You're a good guy. My mindset of like, how is that something? You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, but a lot of these guys, they made millions, and now they don't have millions anymore. Yeah, and I, and I would agree with you, though, that that does not make the league essential because players are not properly spending their money the right way. So I would have to agree with Rolovsky, even though I think a lot of the things he says is really well thought out. I just don't think that I'm on the same page with him on that one. And it's just it's the impact of the financial part of sports all over the place. We talked about how much money it generates for just the city itself, but then other states who are fans of that city, the workers in the building every single day. We talk about the NFL, all those workers that work at the Lincoln Financial Field. I mean, it's just one big snowball effect for how much money this generates for for cities and people. It, it has to be deemed essential, in my opinion. This is what Jeff Darlington said about the NFL and how confident they are about a return. Well, Ryan, I can tell you that generally speaking, there's just this sort of cloud of uncertainty that players, executives, general managers, coaches are all feeling the same way maybe the rest of us are. I was casually talking with uh, one franchise quarterback just the other day saying, oh, when are you, when are you heading back to your city uh, to start camp? And he just looked at me and goes, I don't know. And, and I think that that's probably indicative of the way everybody is feeling right now. Uh, I, I Look, two days ago last year is when the NFL announced uh, all of the dates for training camp, when everybody would begin camp. Right now, all these players are sitting here saying, I don't know when we're going back. The, the league still has time. It's not as if these players can't just basically on a moment's notice turn around and head back to wherever they play their games. I'm just saying right now, if you're wondering when football is going to be played, so too are the people who play it. A cloud of uncertainty is the word that he used. And here's the thing. For people out there, again, I know I'm not here to tell you how to think or what to think. All I would suggest is this. If the NFL has a cloud of uncertainty, I have news for you. Nobody is telling them how to think. They are thinking this because they have legitimate concern about their season restarting. Nobody is getting to the NFL and saying, you guys need to get on board with this and just act like this is a big deal and don't go back to camp. And you know what? Sell the first six to eight rows of your seats so that fans can't sit there. 
You think that they wanted to give up the first six to eight seats in their stadium? No. They really understand that they're not going to be able to have people in that building. I was thinking, if you do get rid of those six to eight seats and you sell that for advertising and you have a limited amount of people in the building, do the prices of those tickets go up because there's less seats or does it go down because people are going to be questioning Fair going question. in? I know I was talking to Adam Kaplan about this yesterday on the show, but also off the air. And he said, Mike, I don't understand how the, those are the most expensive seats in the place. You know how much those tickets go for? They're just giving them up. Now, they're going to make a lot of that back in advertising. But you're right. What does that mean for the other seats then? I don't know. But I did see something about baseball and fans that might be a positive. We'll have that coming up on the other side. Brought to you by the Atlantic City International Airport. Now departing nonstop flights from ACY to Atlanta. And we've talked about this before, which was the possibility when you were negotiating for the baseball players and the owners was that, hey, they could have fans in the stands possibly at some point. I mean, maybe this whole thing takes a turn for the betterment September. And you get some fans in the stands. You know, they kept saying, well, we didn't realize there was going to be no fans all year. Well, there is a possibility, I guess, according to Jeff Wilson of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, reporting that the Rangers are one of the teams that are considering playing with some fans in the stands this year. And also, Danny Parkins of 670 to score in Chicago, reporting that the White Sox are planning to play in front of fans, and the Cubs could possibly do the same. Also, Andy Slater of Fox Sports 640 reporting that the mayor of Dade County, Miami, is also considering allowing fans to attend games. The six of them that normally go are allowed back in. It just seems like this conversation is a little premature. You didn't like that joke? It was all right. I guess I was just so focused on, like, what am I going to bounce back Oh, man, back I was on? like, uh, I thought you, that was a great way to end that thing. You were just sitting there like, I, I got the perfect way to end this. I mean, the, the fact that the Florida Marlins guy is like, yeah, we can have fans here, it's like, there's four that go to those games. That was good. Is was, there any reason right. to be like excited about the Marlins re-letting fans in the ballpark there? No, but I just think it's premature as a whole. Like we're having this conversation about maybe Texas allowing fans back into the stadium. I, I, I mean, the it, Texas Rangers. I find it interesting that Texas and Miami were two of the places that were mentioned after both of those places today had to reclose their bars and restaurants down. I will say this, though. If, if you do think of a ballpark, right, and think of Citizens Bank Park, there is definitely a way to have people in the building and social distance. If there's people all the way up top on one side, people underneath the scoreboard over here, I mean, I'm not going to tell you that the whole stadium will be filled out, but you would think with the social distancing rules, you can get, let's just say, a thousand people are allowed in. I know that's small, but you can social distance with a thousand people in Citizens Bank Park. No question. I mean, yeah, I mean... If they want to break it down to where, you know, you could have each section have um, 15 to 20 people sitting three seats apart. Well, if we can go to restaurants right now, the outside dining, think about how close some of those tables are. I about mean, six feet. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would say they are minimally six to eight feet. Right. So I think you could even fit way more than I'm thinking in my head right now if you did it that way. It's just hard to imagine having the conversation of fans right now with everything going on. Big time. Big time. But I guess to the point of this is now Danny Parkins of 670 to score in Chicago says the White Sox are planning to play in front of fans and the Cubs could possibly do the same. Guaranteed rate field, which I guess is where the White Sox play, seats 40,000. But Parkins notes 
that the the current thought is to fill the stadium at 20% capacity, which is just about 8,000 fans. So 8,000 fans, which is about what you'd get at a Marlins game. <laughs> yeah, you're right. 8,000 in a 40,000-seated place? I mean, you, I think you can do exactly what we just laid out. But once again, how is the conversation of, well, it goes back to the whole money thing. That's that's why it's happening, because they can create some sort of revenue. But does that open the door back up for, remember what we just went through with baseball, the union, and the owners? Was that written down in any sort of contract? If we get fans back in the stadium, you will get Well, wasn't this. this what I said about three, four weeks ago? Which was, hey, you guys are negotiating over something. There is a possibility that you do have some fans in the you're saying that oh we didn't realize we were gonna have no fans on march 26th well now you're renegotiating because you want to say well we now we don't have any fans but the players i was saying should have had a deal in place that suggested hey if we get fans back in that percentage should be able to go back up a little bit more well remember manfred was the one to step in and give the deal out so it's not as if they agreed on something so whatever he put down that's what it's going to be. Now, I don't know what the difference is going to be if there are fans in the stadium or not. I don't know how much more the players get. I don't know if they do get any more. It's just it's going to be another argument. Or you can go the route of the San Francisco Giants. Did you see this? I did. I think this is Gabe Kapler's decision. He's the brainchild of this? I mean, it's that silly where probably. According to NBC Sports Bay Area, the Giants sent a letter to season ticket holders last night informing them that they can submit an image of themselves to be part of the Giants fan cutout program, which allows you to be at Oracle Park even when you're home watching the game. So essentially, you would cut a cardboard picture of yourself out, and they will put it in your season ticket holder seat so that your cardboard face and body are sitting in your seats. You like that? I mean, it's clever. Is it, though? Does it give me any solos? Am I paying season ticket money for that? Let me ask you this. Hell no. no. (laughs) I don't think you buy season tickets just for that. I think you had season tickets. It's a paid program. No, but I feel like these are people who are season ticket holders every year, and they're just renewing. It says it's a paid program that will be complimentary to season ticket holders who choose to receive an account credit. Okay, so yeah, you're not paying for your season tickets, and this is what you get in return. It's it's something that has to do with being credited later down the road. I guess so. But if you were a season ticket holder for the Phillies, let's say, are you super pumped to get that printout ready no. to go? Nope. And here's where I'm extra not super pumped. The Giants are charging $99 for non-season ticket holders who want to do it. In what universe would somebody spend that money? In a pandemic, you have 100 bucks laying around, and that's air quotes because it's definitely not laying around, and you're going to spend money on that? Right. You're going to say, you know what I want to do with this $100? I want to have a cardboard cutout of myself sitting in Section 106. Now, what if you get hit in the head with a home run or something? Do you get rewarded if you're if the ball hits your guy? Do you get some sort of reward? Do they send you a baseball? That is the dumbest idea that I've ever thought of, and I hope. I pray that they're not making money off of that. Like, I get it. Okay, it's fun. We tried to do something. We charged 100 bucks for a cardboard cutout. But if anybody spends money to do that, what what would be the satisfaction? Even if they put you on television. Like, hey, there's Rose in Section 125, and it's a cardboard cutout of the lady. 
Why would anybody want to do that? It's better than what I saw in Taiwan where they're using SpongeBob stuffed animals. No, at least that's like, okay, let's just put funny, stupid cartoon faces out there. Oh, you like this is, SpongeBob over that? Well, I mean, this is 90. No, I'm saying to, char- to charge someone 100 bucks to have their face out there. I'm questioning the people who actually spend it more that's so. What I'm saying. Yeah, no, I agree. But I do think the cardboard takeaway paying 100 bucks for it. Having cardboard people is probably a better option than stuffed animals. It is, but to say that you're charging people, like, you should just be able to be like, hey, you want to cut out a cardboard thing of yourself, bring it down to the ballpark, you might get lucky, we'll stick it in the seats. I don't know what satisfaction you would get out of it making it to a seat. Let's say 100,000 people brought their cardboard cut out of themselves down there. And they and you were one of the forty thousand that let's say they filled the whole stadium with these things, all forty thousand seats. Would you feel some sort of accomplishment that you made it to one of the seats as a cardboard, a piece of cardboard? I think people would. But what if they donate this money to some sort of COVID? Well, that's situation? a different story. I agree. That's a different story. It does not say that here. Yeah, they're probably not. I'm just saying, if they did, maybe more people would do it. Uh, By the way, as we talked about yesterday, Major League Baseball has submitted a plan to the Canadian government so that they can play in Toronto. We we did kind of look at that, but that is something that they are looking at. And have you seen the pictures of the Rangers' new baseball stadium that looks like an airplane hangar? Yes. 